This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Intel's long-awaited launch. MI300 takes the stage. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell, joined again by Tiffany Trader and Oliver Peckham. And This Week in HPC, we're finally here with the launch of Intel Sapphire Rapids, as well as the HPC Optimized Max Series CPU and GPU. And Tiffany, you wrote this up in HPC Wire. Yeah, this is uh, Sapphire Rapids, the successor to Ice Lake. Uh, Sapphire Rapids, it's manufactured on the Intel 7 node, which That's Intel... the 10 nanometer we used to call it, but it's now Intel 7. That's exactly right. And it has up to 60 cores per processor. Although, importantly, the HPC-focused parts top out at 56 cores, which is kind of curious. And we could speculate on uh, manufacturing or, or yield... Um, issues there. But uh, you know, you think that the HPC community like might might like to see the, the four additional cores at some point. Um, we've seen multiple tests, uh, there's been there's been multiple testing iterations of the chip, as many as 12 uh, steppings, as these uh, versions are called, conveying some of the challenges Intel has had in getting these chips to launch readiness. Uh, that was the Sapphire Rapids, but there's also those Mac series CPU uh, and GPU uh, which also went uh, underwent a um, a rebrand rather somewhat recent uh, at the end of last year. They were previously known as Sapphire Rapids HBM, uh, which is the first. We'll get into that a little. We'll get into that. Um, the first yep. uh, x86 processor with HBM, uh, high bandwidth memory, and then also uh, the GPU Ponte Vecchio, of course, and those. Sapphire Rapids and uh, Ponte Vecchio, we've known for a long time, were tended to be the first chips that would debut in the Aurora supercomputer, which was supposed to happen in, in 2021. Now we're here in 2023. They say they're on track for that. Uh, some of the new capabilities in the Sapphire Rapids are uh, PCIe 5.0, DDR5 memory support for um, CXL, uh, 1.1 and also these new, uh, some new on-chip accelerators that they're actually carved out uh, tile on um, or, or a little piece of silicon on the tile to put these these uh, on-chip accelerators on them. There are 52 different SKUs in the Sapphire Rapids family. I definitely want to get to the Sapphire Rapids high bandwidth memory and that Ponte Vecchio GPU, which we've been talking about for a long time. But before we do that, let's just talk about without the HBM Sapphire Rapids. Intel had uh, a pretty exclusive press event and got to show some of the comparisons between uh, the uh, Ice Lake and the step up to the new Sapphire Rapids, even without the HBM. Yeah, I thought that was really uh, notable. Some interesting um, benchmarks to look at here. They achieved a gen over gen up, uh, performance increase of 1.5x on Stream Triad, 1.4x on HPL, and 1.6x on HPCG, High Performance Conjugate Gradients Benchmark. And those, that is, as you said, it's over the Ice Lake, the previous generation, and with uh, the non-HPM part. And then they did testing across um, ab about a dozen plus real-world applications like Wharf and Black Shoals, Monte Carlo, OpenFoam, and others. And they showed similar speed-ups with the greatest gain going for a 
a physics workload called uh, Cosmoflow. They got a 2.6x on that. But then as we were talking about when they teased the Mac series back around AMD's launch, uh, I think a big thing that the HPC community is really looking forward to is the effects of HBM, high bandwidth memory on these parts, and the, the testing coming out from Intel along with this launch on the Sapphire Rapids HBM showed that there was yet another substantial speed up on certain HPC applications with that HBM enabled. Yeah, um, that got exposed in a couple of the benchmarks um, that sort of the different, like what's the, people want to know, like what's the difference between the Sapphire Rapids and then the Sapphire Rapids HBM? And of course it depends on um, the, the, the workload and how bandwidth bound the workload is, but um, you can kind of see, get some clues from, from the benchmarking that they've done so far. So like on the HPC benchmark side, the Mac series processor with HBM achieves uh, a nearly 2.4x speed up on HPCG um, over the DDR version only. So it's like a 2.4x speed up on HPCG, a 3.5x speed up on Stream Triad. That's HBM versus non-HBM. Um, and then on Limpact, there was no, as, as you might expect, there was no benefit to having um, to having HBM on the, the CPU for Limpact because it doesn't, it doesn't, Need yeah, no, we wouldn't expect that for Linpack, but I'm very interested in it with HPCG because if you look at, okay, I get a 1.6 or 60% speed up uh, without the HBM or it goes to 2.4 with it, that's a 50% difference, 50% better performance with, with HBM enabled. And that's consistent with something that Dan Stanzione from TAC was saying in an interview that you did with him. Yeah, he was saying they're seeing about a 50% performance improvement around there using the HBM parts that they have at ATTAC. Uh, there was another benchmark. It was actually a demo that I saw when I was um, up in Hillsborough. They did a demo on like several uh, important um, HPC applications, and one of them was uh, LAMP, LAMPS, the molecular, molecular Dynamics Workload. And they compared it to, um, they did some comparison, different comparisons. Like, for example, as you might expect, it gets a huge boost when you add GPUs, you know, no kidding. So there was a 12.9 performance boost when you, you in the, using the combination of the Max plus Max versus an Ice Lake CPU only platform, they got a 12.9. Not that's, I mean, you, you would expect to see that. But another in the same um, benchmarking round, they showed the difference from a uh, high band um, using, using the HBM in, a max plus max system versus using DDR only, and they got a 1.5x improvement. So they're they're seeing that bear out in some some, and that that's those these are really like kind of benchmarks that we've been waiting for since we we learned about Max. You know, we're really curious to see what what um what benefits it's going to offer, and we're starting to see some of these um, early benchmark some of the, in some of the early benchmarks. It does seem to be like potentially around a 50 percent, and that particular workload isn't a lot of it isn't is um, mostly using the CPU, but there's significant portions of the LAMPS code that also um, really need, really can benefit from that HBM as we, we see in those numbers. Yeah, I agree. This is something we're really going to want to see more on. We're seeing these benchmarks. What we really want is to see them in the field. That leaves me with 
maybe the most uh, interesting piece of information I'm not getting out of this launch is around availability. We're, we're left to kind of make inferences. Now, the most notable system that's awaiting a lot of these parts is, of course, the Aurora system, uh, the Aurora Exascale system. They've already started installing that. Now, that'll have the non-HBM Sapphire Rapid CPUs at first together with the Ponte Vecchio GPUs, and then that allows the HBM as a as a potential uh, upgrade path for the uh, Aurora system. But there's nothing beyond that in terms of general availability, and we couldn't really find that even through the the usual server vendors and partners who would be announcing that. So it could just be that a lot of the original volume on this is is already. Uh, bespoke either by the uh, the Aurora system or maybe uh, potential cloud vendors. One of the, the more interesting parts of the announcement is actually below the fold where they're talking about an Intel on-demand service, uh, which they previously referred to as software-defined silicon or SDSI. Um, the uh, uh, um, interesting uh, availability to turn on some of these uh, uh, features sort of after acquisition. So uh, that's going to be interesting uh, for some of the cloud providers as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, They have two models there. They have the uh, activation model, so think more on-prem, and they have a consumption model, so think more for the cloud. Uh, The response has been mixed. I would say from the community with a lot of people worried, you know, that they won't be able to own, you know, fully own their CPUs in the future or, you know, feeling like, you know, why do they have something in their possession that they they can't use? I think that's just part of human nature to be some, you know, some people have a dislike for that. But then other, you know, they've definitely seen other comments from people that think it's a good option, you know, that they won't have to pay for things that they don't need. I think, um, I think cloud seems to be initially at least a more obvious um, or maybe palatable uh, use case because some of that will be kind of hidden from the end user. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think I agree. Yeah, that'll work out there. But I just I also wanted to circle back to um, uh, clues for availability since you 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 went through that. Um, Like you said, the both the Mac series parts were originally expected to debut in the Aurora supercomputer, but because of those delays, you know. they, they are Aurora will be the first the first deployment is expected to be the first deployment with the now like the non HBM Sapphire Rapids and then they have that upgrade path um, and then the first place that they expect the Max uh, the Max products to show up in is at the Crossroads computer so Crossroads supercomputer HPE built by HPE which is under construction at the Los Alamos lab. Um, and the report, uh, researchers there are reporting an average back to our speed ups. They say they're reporting an average of forex, uh, speed up, um, over their previous systems, like somewhere between four and eight X, uh, which were Broadwell systems. So that's what they're reporting. Yeah, that, that gets harder to compare yeah, because you're going two Broadwell, generations yeah. back. You would hope Definitely. that you're getting a big performance Yo. improvement. And so it's difficult to compare unless you really back out how much would a step up to Ice Lake be? How much is a step up to Sapphire Rapids? How much for, for HBM? Those Mac series CPUs are going to show up in a few more places. They have, they've been selected by CTS2 Systems at Lawrence Livermore and Sandia. The Camphor 3 supercomputer super at Kyoto. Those are both Dell systems expected to be installed this year. And then here's the clue. Argentina is getting ready to deploy a Max plus Max system from Lenovo for the country's um, National Meteorological Service. And they say that's on track for this spring. So... 
So this spring, I think by the time we get to ISC in um, May, we're going to have a little more information. I was starting to say, Oliver, I'd really like to bring you in on this because I noticed that one of the other interesting angles that Intel was promoting in the launch was a lot of sustainability benefits. And you have an article in HPC Wire about that. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And it's part of a growing trend we're seeing in these uh, major launches from uh, major tech companies that sustainability is is no longer a a footnote. It's instead a a core material that they release and comment on uh, improvements when they launch a new product. Uh, With this new generation, Intel is touting a a 2.9x average improvement in performance per watt versus the previous generation on uh, targeted workloads, crediting a lot of that to the built-in accelerator engines. Uh, They're also touting a lot of firmware things, a new optimized power mode that they say can reduce power consumption by up to 20% for uh, certain workloads with uh, less than 5% performance impact, and even pointing to where things might be going in the future on a hardware level, talking about how that uh, on-demand service could be used to help intelligently power on and off different components of the chip that aren't in use uh, separately from the pay component, I think, that we're talking about uh, previously. And beyond that, they're, they're even talking about their sustainability practices in making the chip, how they've achieved a, a 75% reduction versus the alternative scenario in their uh, scope one, so direct carbon emissions, uh, and then talking about how the emissions reductions they're, they're doing, which are also attributable to uh, using, they say, 90 to 100% renewable electricity in the production of these chips. Um, they're saying that that's something that customers are seeing benefits from when they uh, take inventory of their uh, scope three emissions, the emissions of your uh, supply chain or your value chain as a company. So it's really interesting to see all of this uh, frontlined by Intel, uh, similar to what we saw maybe from the launch of the uh, H100 from NVIDIA was done via the Green 500. uh, And AMD's marketing at SC22 was was almost entirely focused around sustainability. Their their tagline was powering the most energy efficient supercomputers on earth and was plastered everywhere. So it's really interesting in the in the scope of you know the changing global energy landscape and the instability that this is becoming a, a top line item. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on multiple fronts. One is that we're seeing the real emphasis on sustainability. I think we were seeing it previously in Europe more than we were in other parts of the world, but it's really taken hold to be, as you were saying, frontline marketing for all of these companies. And, you know, it, it used to be that Intel wasn't as strong a part of that conversation, regardless of what the actual uh, features of the of the chips were. And as you said, we saw it in NVIDIA's launch. We saw it in AMD's launch. Now Intel is, is making very strong claims there themselves. And just like a lot of the other technological aspects of these chips have gotten harder to compare on an apples to apples basis. Now, again, it's not as clear. You have to do a little additional research to figure out what what really is going to be the most energy efficient or or performance per power consumption. I, I think that's just another uh, front that this uh, this uh, technological battle is being fought on. Um, it, it, it just isn't clear. Now, AMD was also in the news this week in HPC because we're talking about these big Intel launches. Uh, AMD shared the stage a little bit, not, not with their major launch, but at CES, which is a major consumer show at the end of a of a uh, major talk by Lisa Sue, she held up an MI300 
chip for the first time. Yeah, that's right. This is the, the MI300 chip that's going to de debut in another exascale supercomputer, the El Capitan supercomputer at, at Livermore um, later, I believe later this year into 2024, um, which Oliver and I first learned about during a presentation at Oak Ridge in, uh, in June of last year. So this is the first to chip to combine, like tightly, tightly integrate a CPU, GPU, and memory into into a single um, onto a single chip, and it incorporates nine uh, five nanometer chiplets that are three D stacked on top of four six nanometer ch chiplets, and it includes one hundred and twenty eight gigabytes of HBM3 memory. Um, the, dev the, the device has um, we learned the device has more than one hundred and forty six billion transistors. And Lisa Sue calls it the most the most complex chip uh, ever built. It also incorporates um, AMD's cDNA three GPU architecture, uh, and it has twenty four uh, Zen four cores, and it uses AMD's uh, fourth gen Infinity architecture. This is the follow on to the Instinct Mi two fifty X GPU that is the primary computing engine of the Frontier exascale supercomputer. The first exascale system bench, Limpac exascale system benchmarked by the uh, United States. I think this is an extremely important uh, launch and, and demonstration holding up that chip and why the uh, Ponte Vecchio and Sapphire Rapids launch is important as well, because as we really pursue now these more specialized uh, components where we're leaning in toward having an all AMD environment, an all Intel environment, an all NVIDIA environment. We've seen NVIDIA out in the lead on the GPU side, Intel in the lead in the CPU side, and both of those including the software ecosystems around the GPU or the CPU. But AMD is first to market with both in an integrated package. And as we look at the ongoing uh, uh, processing battle between AMD, Intel, and NVIDIA, it's it's an exciting uh, uh, market dynamic to track. Uh, so getting AMD with with these uh, systems out there into El Capitan with the integrated chip, I think is an important industry development that we're going to be watching. Yeah, and each each of these three U.S. exascale systems, you know, has something um, sp special about it. You know, uh, AMD and HPE were were first at Oak Ridge. Uh, and then the Aurora system is going to have that HBM uh, Sapphire Rapids chip in it, which we're talking about, you know, the, um, the, the the potential and the possibilities there, you know, will be interesting to see. And then, of course, El Capitan is going to have the, the new MI300 chip with with other uh, unique um, benefits to it. So it, it'll be it'll be neat to see how that plays out um, at the high end. And then as it as it, you know, gets incorporated into um into other into other sites as well and see how it plays in the real world you know intel had put out some some of the benchmarking they put out was done uh with the sapphire rapids in um uh, put up against the the previous generation um milan you know G, milan uh chip so i um you know what we're, we're going to be looking to see how the Genoa, which is the the chip that AMD has coming out, you know the, the Genoa chip and Sapphire Rapids, you know that's what really what we'll we'll be looking to see is how those how those two chips um, compare compare to each other and 
in, in real deployed environments. 2023 is off to a fast start. I'm looking forward to tracking it this year. It's always an exciting industry to be an analyst in, but it feels like we've got a lot of developments on tap for this year. And these launches uh, just really kicked us off for what's going to be an exciting year. Oliver, Tiffany, thank you. Our listeners, as usual, can get more details on HPC Wire. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.